Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy C I Double Z Y you dig live action, Kansas City, Missouri. And we back again. I tell you guys every single Friday, and I have yet to lie to you. I've yet to lie to you. I mean, truthfulness is the foundation of all human virtues, and that is what I do is tell the truth. I'm coming back with another fire guest. I've done it again, ladies and gentlemen. Clap it up for me. Oh, oh, I guess I'll just clap it up for myself. Go ahead and introduce yourself, my brother. Let the people know who you are. I'm excited to have you on today, and I'm sure they're going to be excited after this conversation finishes. Man, Collins, Kansas City, what's going on? I'm uh, really excited to be here. My name is Runtheg Sundu, uh, out here in California, just, uh, you know, getting through another work day in the middle of the week here, but really excited we can all connect and uh, talk about business, talk about fitness, tech, sales, you know, personal empowerment, improvement, and essentially whatever else comes across in the next 45 minutes to the hour, right? Hell yeah, I love it, bro. I love when I love I love when somebody matches my energy. You know, you let the <laughs> fuck with your chest right there. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah let's go, let's go. Um, yeah. But nah, man, uh, he's in California, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead and share whereabouts in California you are, and then let's start with your childhood, man. Where did you grow up? Give us a little bit of context on the culture behind, you know, Runteg, and uh, let us let us know what's popping. Yeah, man, I am probably living in the exact opposite of you know where I was born as far as the environment. Uh, today I'm in San Ramon, California. So for those of you that are familiar, that's the Bay Area, uh, like East Bay. Um, I'm usually back and forth between San Ramon, Walnut Creek area. Um, you know, great place, great city. Uh, I always make jokes. Walnut Creek is kind of that city that they poke fun at because it's, uh, it's the one that's close to Oakland. But if you're not from there, they don't really want you there, you know. And so we all kind of know know that type of city and how that's portrayed in movies. And so I have somehow landed myself in that environment. Um, but honestly, it's not as bad as they make it out to be. Um, but, you know, I was born in Virginia, uh, Fairfax, Virginia. Love it. Um, pretty okay place to grow up, you know, really molded me, um, especially I'd say my mindset rather than my personality. Um, you know, when I was younger, I spent a lot of time outside, big into sports, playing with my friends, you know, getting into all kinds of trouble. Um, but honestly, I think I exhausted a lifetime's worth of trouble in that first, like, era of my life being in Virginia, you know. Um, there was just a lot of bullshit going on. And um, I think a lot of us can probably relate that um, my future at that time, as far as my thinking of my future, was very limited. You know, when I thought about who I could be and what I was going to get into, I came from that same environment that I was like, hey, you know, if I make it to 18, like, you know, that's a pretty long life, you know, and these are thoughts and like, looking back as like a third grader, I probably like shouldn't have been having, right? But, you know, being a product of your environment, things are just as such, right? Now, fast forward all the way to where I am now, just full swing in Silicon Valley. It's, uh, it gives me a lot of gratitude for how far along th things have come. But, you know, that's a little bit about where I am now and, and where I grew up. Um, shoot shoot some questions my way. I love it. I love it. I want you to name two legends that came from Virginia before we move forward. Allen Iverson. Good job. Chris uh, Brown. Okay. All right. Say less. And Pharrell. And Pharrell. Oh, yeah. All right. There we go. You know, so you yeah, got to throw Pharrell in there. <laughs> that's true. I love it. I love it. Well, 
let's talk a little bit about you know some of your early interests let's say 10 11 year old you like what yeah man what are you interested in what are your hobbies did you think you were gonna be interested in sports did you think you're gonna be interested in fitness did you think that you're gonna be interested in tech like how did we get here today what were some of your early interests yeah so my earliest interests probably was like i mean i was a creative kid i was always into like drawing it was always like uh probably more like monsters and aggressive type shit right i was one of those kids that grew up on like dragon ball z and some of those type of shows right um and then really like as a teenager i got into sports first sport i got into naturally was basketball because that's what everyone around me played um especially in virginia and then also like you know i'm a i'm a younger sibling i have one older brother so my older brother played basketball and naturally i think like all younger siblings do i just really mimicked what what he did right and honestly, like, I didn't know I was doing that at the time. I, I really thought like, hey, basketball's cool. But um, now in my adulthood, like having tried other things, looking back on it, like, yeah, I really played basketball because like my brother played, you know? Um, after that, I got into track, was big into track and uh, I did boxing for a few years. Um, I wanted to get uh, my boxing license, but, you know, my parents didn't let me uh, because of like concerns over like, hits to the head, right? They just really valued my brain over my body. So that's right. You're not, <laughs> right. So they're like, you're not doing that. And so the way my personality is, if I can't do something, you know, competitively and at a high level and take it serious, I don't really want to do it. So once uh, I saw that boxing wasn't going to be anything more than like training and being an amateur, I kind of lost interest there. And uh, organically, I, I, I got into a uh, I got into bodybuilding at the time, you know, I went to a gym and I had just been lifting weights casually, but, you know, to uh, my best benefit, there was a guy who was, a, you know, a professional bodybuilder who went there. And uh, there was also a guy that did world's strongest man, you know, and uh, I, I just took interest into what they were doing. And um, I just mimicked them in the most like humble way. You know, it was kind of like that whole like monkey see monkey do, you know, I would literally just be that kid that would watch them listen to their cues especially like what they'd say to each other while they were working out and then once they leave just go do the same shit hoping that they didn't notice and then eventually you know i gained the confidence to to you know build a rapport with them and uh, they took me under their wing and i learned a ton about bodybuilding and kind of hacked my way through a lot of the the early struggles that you know come across in, in weightlifting and whatnot and uh and got a lot of early success out of that right um but i never ended up taking that as far as uh, I probably could, just because I didn't really value the long-term play of being a bodybuilder. Um, it was just, you know, it was a great kind of, uh, it was a great platform for me. You know, I use the gym as a, a place that I, I build there. You know, I build my values. I build my, my, my thoughts and strategy. And I use that as a, you know, kind of something I transcend from, you know? So I, I feel like a lot of the dedication and work ethic and some of those things where I can self-assess in business now, that came from like a lot of years in the gym, looking at myself in the mirror, trying to understand what needs to catch up, what's doing well, and just a lot of like, you know, trial and error, right? Um, but that was right. kind of the culmination of my interest. Tech, not not whatsoever at that time in my life at all. I mean, I, come on, come on. Like, I didn't know anything besides like, I wanted a new phone. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was I love it. Way. I love it. I love it. And so 
you're growing up, you know, you're playing a little bit of sports, boxing becomes a thing. You're like, nah, I can't, I, I'm too competitive. If I can't go pro with this, then fuck it. You move on to bodybuilding. You start studying some other bodybuilders and uh, strong men in the gym. You, you study, you take action, uh, you get taken under the wing, get some mentors in the gym and, and you find your love and, and your passion for not just bodybuilding, but fitness overall in the gym. What would you say were, let me just say, what was one um, principle or, or um, I guess, mm, concept that, that you, you took away from the gym and took it into business or later in life that like really applies and be a character trait it can be maybe just a thought process a mental yeah. framework yeah i would say um it was, it was like uh there's two aspects to it right i say like one of the things is never stop learning and never get arrogant to the point where you think you're above asking questions you know like always just continue to learn like whether you're learning from a guy that does world's strongest man and you never want to do that like there's still something you can pick up from him the same way you can pick up something from you know, the guy that does yoga or CrossFit or bodybuilding or, you know, functional training. Uh, there, there's a lot of different aspects of fitness and training that, you know, you'll kind of get boxed into unless you keep an open mind. So I'd say the willingness to ask questions, it'll keep yourself humble. It'll also give you a, a ton of information and then do with that information what you will, right? I mean, applied information is always the best thing. So it gives you the opportunity to apply more information because you're taking more intel in, but also, it just, um, it just grounds you, you know? And then, um, so I, I try to remember like, hey, to be like highly efficient in the gym. I mean, I'm on like year 12 now, you know? So it wasn't until probably like year, I feel like year four or five, probably year six, where I could really like, you know, things were very seamless, you know, as far as like my process. And uh, I just try to give myself some grace because I know like, man, when I'm in year 12 of business, like we're going to be out of here, you know? And I, and while I'm like facing speed bumps and stuff like that, like growing pains, those are completely natural. Cause in year one to four, when I was in the gym, there was a ton of growing pains, you know? And, and those probably hurt a little bit more, you know? So I yep. remember that yep. I'd say the outside of that, the other aspect is on the other like end of the spectrum is um, like how far you have to take it. Like when I did well in bodybuilding and I started like doing competitions or like to even like win those competitions like uh, there's like a certain I call like a sixth gear you have to tap into and I think that's why like when I meet athletes across the board in every major sport they whether they play golf or whether they play like you know football they kind of have this certain relatability to each other because they understand what it takes to be like obsessive you know and a lot of people will will put you down if they you know they consider you a fanatic or you're obsessive or you know, it's all you do, but like, if you want to be like, especially great at what, at what you want to do, like you need to put the extra time in, you need to, you know, like, it's kind of like going on sicko mode, right? Like you need to know when like to like, be extreme about it. Right. Like, and it, there's no difference between like, you know, working out six days a week or doing some type of like, you know, training camp that helps out or, you know, I'll send out 1400 emails in a week you know, that's my other workout. It's like, okay, like, I know what the average numbers are, like, that's not going to work. That only works for people I want to compete, I want to dominate, you know. So if I know, like, the email campaign is 500, if I triple and make mine 1500, that's a lot of work, you know, that's going to make my day 14, 16 hours long in the office. But like, this is what it takes to be a pro, you know, 
like and that so that's like i i consider probably the, the two things that have helped me um as far as like to my success right between like that those two parallels i love that i loved everything you shared right there i can tell you right now that five minutes never right there is gonna be the first thing i post on social media <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, that was perfect. I think there was like uh, the, the, the first the first thing you shared is so important because I think the business owners that I know that have done the best in terms of being patient often were in the gym before they uh, started their business. There was somebody who was in the right. gym when they were a teenager. They were always or maybe they were a cross country runner or they were really committed to a sport. One of the two, because right. they understand they, they understand this concept that for some reason, so many other people struggle to understand. It's just the, you know, running the marathon, like Nipsey Hussle says, you know, committing to that marathon and understanding that you got to take the stair steps. And that's a part of the process. And that journey should be enjoyed, embraced, because once you get to the final destination, you've done it. And now it's like, okay, what's next? So you really have to thrive off the journey. You have to thrive off that, that, that hard process. Because once you get there, it's a big boom. And then it just goes right back. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, what's next? So like, I feel like some, sometimes your stairway or your path might not be like, it might not be the same throughout, right? Like you might have a certain part of your path, which is like very tough steps. You have to do like manually. And then part of your path might be like an escalator where all of a sudden you just get accelerated. Right. I feel like that's what people got to realize too, is like, you know, a lot of fitness stuff like you do it and you don't get any immediate results and you have to continue to put in a bunch of work with no results like that builds character right that's what will make you successful in like business or whatever venture you have outside of the gym right i love it i love it you also mentioned turning pro like i love that or you said if you want to if you want to go pro at something and i think oftentimes especially people who come from a background of sport they feel like if they don't go pro in that they can't go pro in anything but the reality is Going pro in something is really just, a, a, I guess, it's, it's, it's up here. You can become a professional. You can go pro in a certain industry and business. You can go pro in, a, you know, motivational speaking. You can go pro in, in being a golf coach. Like, there's so many ways to go pro. And once you adopt that mindset, like, I got to turn pro. Like, I got to go pro. And this is, this is what I got to do to go pro. And you apply the concepts and the work ethic you had with football or with basketball when you were 16, 17, and 18, and you take that into other passions or other interests or other ventures that you might consider doing, you're more than likely going to be successful. It's like, listen, turn pro, adopt that mindset, and go ham. Do what you were doing with football with sales. Do what you were doing with basketball with fucking, I don't know, <laughs> any, other, any other type of position. Right. So right. I love that you mentioned turning pro and, and going pro because that, 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 that applies to everything outside of sports as well. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, so I do want to talk to you about, you know, your transition out of Virginia to Oregon. So you, you start getting into interested in fitness when you're younger, but you go to Oregon, you start college like at Oregon State. First off, did you know where you planned on ending up once you finished college? Did you have a, a, a direction, a destination? And then how did fitness hold up and, and help you out during your time period um, at university? Yeah, so like I did some of my like whole like uh, high school time in Oregon too, right? I'd ended up at, at Oregon State, um, got, you know, pretty easily accepted there. Um, so I think I just kind of took the easy way out, didn't really challenge myself to, to do too many other applications. Um, and, you know, the, the initial plan when I was going in there, I had already done some internships as far as like functional training, athlete rehab, 
and some of those things because once I got into bodybuilding, I knew like I need to expand my my uh, my information, right? And also my sources of information. So I had seeked out some internships that honestly, I, I was probably too young to do at the time, but I just kept showing up and then you kind of become inevitable, right? And so I had done some of those. By the time I went to Oregon State, I was thinking, um, you know, I can probably help uh, train the football team, you know? I was probably weighing about like, 265 myself and um i was we got a pa- we got a pause right there how tall are you i'm six foot oh what you was weighing 265 and you was damn son yeah I, mean, I was strong i wasn't insanely strong like i had a bench press of like 365 that's still then, solid you was like 18 uh 17 17 yeah that's solid keep going sorry i just was like well, I, I wasn't expecting to hear 260 go ahead <laughs> so I was like, at that point though, I still wanted to be the athlete, right? So I was like, okay, let me get, like at that point I was over the whole high school. Like I wanna set all the the weightlifting records at the high school. I wanna, you know, instead get into competing. I knew my uh, genetics were a little bit more tailored for this subsection of bodybuilding called physique. And physique honestly is just like competitive male modeling. Like it's just like who looks the best and you gotta be shredded, you know? And so that worked for me, I started getting lean. And um, as I'm learning more about training at Oregon State, I, uh, I can't really put my time into volunteering with the teams and whatnot because I got to do my own training and, and schooling. And so I get into that. Then I realize being a trainer is lame because you don't have enough control. I realize a lot of like the reality is that you have to look at your output before you end up there. Right. So if I get out of this system and I'm, a, you know, an accredited trainer, I either end up as a, in a gym in under their system or I end up doing this freelance. Right. And I have at that point, no idea about running my own business. And so that didn't make sense to me. And I thought, okay, well, I'm already training. Like I had helped people for fun. Right. So like, I was like, I had helped a couple guys lose 50 to hundred pounds just for like the sake of it. Right. And, um, I'd help my other friends naturally and, or just people naturally. And I was like, okay, maybe I can become a trainer of trainers. You know, that, that makes sense to me. Um, just so that I can then put the systems in place and then these people can execute the system. You know, I was slowly starting to learn about scale, but I didn't even know it. And then at the same time, I think another year had gone by and I thought, well, damn, I mean, there's a trainers and the trainers of the trainers in the system. But if I just own the business or if I own the building, then I run all of it. Right. And at that point, I started on, on, like lightly understanding, you know, equity, ownership, you know, real estate. Um, and a couple of those factors, not really still understanding what I'm trying to process, right? Um, the same time I transitioned studying over from, uh, from like kinesiology focus my first year over to policy, right? Policy was just way more my thing. I was a better communicator. So I felt like, you know, I can articulate a message and I can, uh, and I, I have strong leadership skills. So let me focus on that. I can leave the science to someone else. Plus at that point in my life, I was still a little arrogant. And I was like, man, like, fuck the science. Like, I'm so experience-based. Like, I can get you where you need to go. I, I'm not worried about the textbook. Like, bring the textbook, too, to, to verify what I'm talking to you about. But, man, I, like, I had spent the last four or five years just, like, reading articles myself. And I was way more passionate. And so I just absorbed information at a much higher rate than kids that were just doing it because it was their their major, right? And so I ended up transitioning to policy and, once I had, uh, you know, when you, when you graduate from university, you have to do an internship, right? So I was in the policy realm. I ended up doing an inter- internship for the state of Oregon um, for one of the, 
uh, how, uh, what is it? The representatives, House Rep, under House of Reps. And so that was a great experience. The guy was a lawyer full time and also a state rep. So he really showed me what it was like to have like a very busy schedule, right? Help my professionalism. Um, plus, I enjoyed the fact like, you know, I'd grown up in, in, uh, in Virginia and around DC. Like you go to a lot of those museums. You know, my dad worked for the federal government as an engineer, still does. And so, you know, while he didn't make a ton, like he was also very, like he, he was extremely professional, you know? And so he, like, I kind of always resonated with that environment, right? Um, being on like the steps over on, on the hill and whatnot, right? And so I did really well there. I ended up declining a job offer and I take a second internship for the U.S. Senate. And uh, I'm under, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Merkley. So I'm under there. I get to see things at a federal level. That's exciting. And then, um, and then I kind of have a big transition. So I guess I'll pause there. What I mean, throwing questions at me. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I think, I think, you know, we're going to dive into some of the questions I already have anyway. So it's, uh, you were talking about scaling and that's kind of what I was, before we got on the call, you asked me a question and I did, did I plan on doing personal training, you know, forever, if that's what I wanted to go with. And essentially that I was, that's what I was, you know, thinking is like the, the issue is, I don't know if anybody that listens to this podcast also listens or follows Naval on Twitter, but um, if you think about like just how much output has to go in and then the input or like how much input has to go in versus how much you get back when it comes to personal training, it doesn't really make sense in case you're trying to like be busy 17 hours a day, every day in the gym, training clients or constantly on zoom calls to 17 people all day like you have to figure out ways to to put in work and then implement systems that you know i mean just our listeners in general i feel like what what you're describing right now is that you're in the wrong vehicle that's the easiest way to say it right like a person needs to have a certain mindset they need to have a certain skill set and then they need to find themselves in the right vehicle if you're not in the right vehicle doesn't matter how hard you work you just, you're going to hit a ceiling. It's, you're just not in the right industry. It's like trying to make, you know, multi-millions or I should say billions of dollars selling residential real estate. Like it's not going to work, man. You got to go to commercial. Like it's a bigger vehicle, right? So I feel like you're probably feeling some of those pains within the constrictions of your vehicle, right? Like and personal training is not big enough. I think, and a lot of people listening probably, that was a great, that was a great analogy great way of, of explaining it. Cause I think a lot of people feel that like probably the majority of people listening right now, most people, they know they have a skill. They know they're talented at something, right? They know that they're, they're passionate and they're willing to work, but the vehicle that they're using currently, or it is the issue and, or they just haven't ch- chosen a vehicle, right? Because they're confused about which route to go. Cause they already know they're not going to win in this area, but they don't know where to go from there. So Hire a business coach. I'm just playing, but no, <laughs> but no. So I want to talk to you about how you were like, where was, where was fitness business and technology fitting into that yeah. world while you're in, in policy, like in politics. And like, is this in the background when you get off work at the end of the night? Like talk to me about like what maybe day to day was looking like in during that time period. Like how, how is fitness fitting in there? How's business? Like, are you, are you learning from somebody? Do you have a mentor? Like, where is, when is this going to jump into the story? Oh, <laughs> and, man. And surprise it's, like, us? it's still like things still kind of suck at that point in the story. Right. Because I'm driving to an internship. I work at the world trade center building in Portland, Oregon. 
I'm on like the 32nd floor. Things are great. I'm in a suit and tie, but like, I'm still, it's still an unpaid internship, right? I'm not making money there. I actually have to pay to park my car there the whole day. I'm driving a, you know, like a 2002 Toyota Camry. I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a super materialistic guy, but at some point I'm like, damn, I've had this Camry for the last, you know, since I was 15, you know, what's going on here. Um, but I'm just continuing to put the work in, right? Um, the days are, are pretty long because after I, you know, you do the commute to the city and back out of the city, I'm committing myself to another like hour and a half of training, right? So I'm working out every night and, and guys, let's not be re- like unrealistic. Like I'm smashing pre-workouts to do so, you know? And that's just like, <laughs> that's the reality, you know? And and that's just like what it, and that's sometimes that's what it takes to be like in that extreme mode, right? Mm-hmm. But um. But I was just like, I guess the overly big intern um, doing bodybuilding or or like physique full swing. Um, I had done it at a pretty high level. I did a couple like two shows in Oregon, um, did really well. Got a first at one of them, second at the other one, which was interesting. And then at the third one, it was like a big regional one called the Emerald Cup in uh, Bellevue, Washington. I think I got third at that one. And then it was kind of uh, I was hitting that crossroads of like, okay, what should I do with bodybuilding, you know? I want to I want to jump in right there because something popped yeah. in my mind. So you're you're interning in a in a in an office setting like you know oftentimes people uh, not only people who are like you know serious about bodybuilding but also people who are just serious about their health and they're trying to get back into the gym. They're trying to eat a little bit better. They're trying to be disciplined during this process. What uh, if any? What uh, maybe? pushback were you getting from your coworkers or maybe from parents like where people are like oh like just have fun like what were like some pushbacks you were getting and how did you push through the social pressures of 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 not being disciplined and not hustling I mean the social pressures will never leave you know like that's a reality like even like your closest circle your parents will often tell you like you know stop and that's not because like they're trying to hold you down like they love you, right? Like they're inherently trying to protect you, you know, but like people are going to see you for what you are, you know, and they're going to treat you as such. It's your responsibility to see yourself for what you can be and treat yourself as such. Right. So I always held myself in the regard of like, I'm already a pro bodybuilder. I wasn't even close, but in my mind, I was already a pro bodybuilder. Right. So when people looked at me funny when I'm carrying around my Tupperware, cause trust me, I did it, you know, I had the cold, it wasn't even salmon, it was worse, it was tilapia, right? So I got cold tilapia and spinach, and I got three of those in my backpack, and I go to the library and study for finals all day, you know? And that shit stinks, you know? So be it, you know? Like, you think, like, yeah, you know, it's going to cause a little bit of a problem. It's not that big of a fucking deal, you know? You're going to give yourself more of a, like, more anxiety and, and put more of a burden on yourself and judge yourself. And no one's probably even going to say anything to you, right? People are not very confrontational. They're probably, they're probably judge you. They're probably not going to say anything. It doesn't really matter if people judge you. It, it really has no bearing on, on your life and your narrative, you know? So if, if you are able to inherently see yourself in this way and construct some type of positive narrative around your life that, you know, kind of creates meaning, then every all the social press, pressure will kind of fall to the wayside, you know? And then once you have the result, you will see how quickly it will change. Right. Because then people will come to you in a completely like 180 manner and, and switch up 
you know, 100%, right? It's kind of like what you said with, with Nipsey before. Like, how many times on the marathon do you think he wasn't like, let me cash out real quick? Like, he has to maintain the imagery of a rapper, status among other men, status among women, like, leverage amongst the industry and, you know, and also brand attention, right, for everything that's shiny. You didn't think he was like, damn, let me go cash out real quick, you know? It's, there's a certain kind of uh, fortitude you have to have mentally in order to be like, no, what I'm doing is right, you know, and, and not letting any type of pressure outside of that kind of get into the ship, right? Love it. I love it. Another another three minutes of bars. Hell yeah. Clap it up <laughs> for my boy, ladies and gentlemen. Clap it up. I need to get one of those soundboards so I can be like, ah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's that's got to be coming up next on the podcast, right? Um, so. Let's 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 jump right back into where we were. So you're 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 interning. You got the 2002 Toyota Camry. You're kind of wondering, like, okay, what's next? Like something's not, not something yeah. something's not hitting here. So where do you yeah. go from there? Um, I mean, a lot of audacity, you know. At that time, <laughs> I probably shouldn't even mention it, but uh, all like you know, federal employee uh, salaries are are public information. I'm gonna I'm gonna. I look up my boss's salaries, you know, not high enough. Interestingly enough, I look at what I'm, you know, the system I'm in. I'm like, damn, you guys do this for that much? Like, and you have kids and bills and mortgage and all this stuff. Like, how the hell do you do that? You know, I was like, okay, you know, probably, probably need to switch gears. At the same time, I'm looking at my, I'm like, you know, you did all this time in policy. You're probably a pretty good leader, but like, do you have any particular passion to write the next, you know, legislative bill and, you know, like anything there? And I was like, not, you know, not really. Plus, once I got into politics at a level, I started to understand that it doesn't matter about what laws passed. It's only about which law is enforced and laws are only enforced if they're funded. So the only thing that matters really is what the budget committees do, not really what laws they're passing. Right. And I was like, well, that's, that's kind of a fucked system. And so I end up, uh, you know, I'm talking to my dad about it and I'm like, you know, uh, not sure what I want to do with this, with my, my next play, you know, the, in, the inter- internships come into a wrap. Let's see what's going on. You know? So I get a, I get a job in the meantime and, um, I'm just killing time. I did like some office work, right. For uh, some, some like healthcare company, I barely remember. And, um, you know, the, the U S Senate shoots me an offer um, hey, move to move to DC. You can uh, come work on the Hill, legislative aide, yada yada. Right? I was like, okay, maybe I come go back to Virginia. That'll be cool. I'll be working on uh, the Hill, so that's like status, right? I get to wear a tie and you know flaunt that, I suppose. Um, but realistically, uh, they wanted to pay me sixty thousand dollars, and uh, cost of living in downtown DC is fifty nine grand, which means I net about one thousand dollars a year. I was like, that, this doesn't make any sense, right? At the same time, I'm like, uh, I, I, have a, I have the ability to potentially uh, move to California, you know? So I was like, okay, maybe I can move to California. You know, I, I had the option. There was these, uh, these guys that they had offered me the ability to work with them um, doing some real estate stuff, right? I wasn't really familiar with it at all, but I was interested. And so... You know, while I'm making that decision, I, I go to California, I just visit, right? And uh, while I'm there, I end up in like Silicon Valley, I end up in Palo Alto. 
And, you know, in Palo Alto, you have like, you have Google campus, you have Facebook campus, you have NASA, you have uh, downtown Palo Alto, which is like pretty much where Stanford is. Um, it's a, and then you have like SoftBank, which is like one of the biggest, uh, the biggest VC from China, right? So it's a, just a, a hub of like bright minds, you know? And uh, I learned a little bit about equity and ownership while I'm there, just enough to make me like get that like entrepreneurial spark got like lit, you know? And, um, I, and, and I'm pretty practical at this point too. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to go make Uber. I'm just understanding like, no, I need to, I need to have ownership in my endeavors if I ever want to have control of my time, you know? And I, and I want to have control of my time. And so I reject, I reject going to DC. I come to California and uh, I'm doing real estate uh, pretty much all week. And then I'm driving like an hour or maybe sometimes two hours every weekend to go to meetups in Silicon Valley about tech, you know? Um, at, Cause I had a, a cousin or yeah, it was, it was a, my cousin here in the Bay Area. I just, you know, probably reconnected with him after like six, seven years, you know? Cause I, when I was, when I was in uh, Virginia, he lived in Maryland. We both ended up moving to the West coast. I went to Oregon. He was in California. We didn't really talk much. He's also like six years older than me. Right. So I reconnected with him. He's big into AI. So he's like, man, you got to come out here, Silicon Valley, like come to these, v these VC meetups. And I'm like, oh shit. Okay. So Monday through Friday, I'm focused on real estate. I'm with these guys who I learned what they are and they're, they're actually uh, disaster investors, right? So what they do is they seek out different disasters, natural disasters in the U S and then they go and buy the properties after they've been devastated and then sell them at, at the, at the corrected value once things come back to come back to normal, right? So they invited me uh, at that time, Santa Rosa had burned down and they're like, hey, not a lot of new development happened in Santa Rosa, Napa Valley, wine country, come with us. We're gonna go buy some neighborhoods. So Monday through Friday, I'm learning how to buy neighborhoods, 80 houses at a time, you know? I can't apply any of this information because I don't have the funding myself, right? But I'm learning how, how these groups move and what they do. But also I don't feel good about what's going on. I'm buying people's burnt down lots and their burnt down houses. And, uh, and while we're giving them a good deal, we kind of put them in like a, they, essentially the guys put them in like a, between a rock and a hard place, right? Where it's like the house is worth a million dollars. The insurance company has offered 600K because the fire policy only gives that back. These guys offer like 630. And they'll be like, hey, well, we'll give you 30 more thousand than the insurance company. So technically it's a win for the guy, but the family ends up getting screwed either way, right? But the buyer gets like 400 grand of built-in equity. So by the time they build the house, it's worth a million or a million one. I mean, they, they make a ton of fucking money, you know? So I'm learning about all this new shit. I'm learning how people make money in all these different ways that some aren't even that great, you know? They're very heavily chasing after the money instead of letting it come to them. So that was interesting. But the best thing was I reconnect with my cousin, you know? And he says, man, I know you got Saturdays and Sundays off. I know it's a, it's a drive, but like, you got to get here, you know? So I start every, every weekend showing up to these VC meetups and these different meetups where like, I'm just learning about like entrepreneurship, VC funding, getting acquired, building your like business with compliance, like all these different aspects of entrepreneurship. And it's like, it's phenomenal because it's like Stanford graduate professors who will condense an entire course into like four hours. And then they give it to you at a high level because they're talking amongst their peers. So they don't, they don't, uh, 
water it down like water, they would. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And so you get this amazing, amazing uh, environment. And I'm just like infatuated with it. Right. And I, I'm essentially doing that. And how and old are you at the time? At that time, I am, man, I had moved to California, left all my friends and family. And I believe I was 21 or 22. Yeah, so that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of new information and new energy. That's yeah. super exciting for a twenty-one-year-old who's eager and and hungry to learn, and especially yeah. to find something new outside of policy. So, so continue I, on, but that that yeah. I, I, I so what I branded it as was uh, I call it the proximity hack. You know, like in my mind, the way I justified it was, hey, I'm two hours away from Palo Alto. That's like the the heart of Silicon Valley. You know. That's like where, you know, Facebook was made, right? I was like, I'm two hours away from Palo Alto. I can sit here and bitch about how I'm two hours away and be lazy about my weekends and not do anything because I am working hard Monday to Friday, right? Or I can be realistic and be like, well, how far is Kansas City from Palo Alto? I don't know, 18 hours? Like, oh, I guess those guys have no fucking chance of being there. I guess maybe I can like at least get there. Like how close do you have to be to stop making an excuse, you know? I thought about it. I was like, man, if I was in Oregon right now, it'd be a nine hour drive. Right now it's like an hour and a half. What am I complaining about? You know, proximity hack. I got myself into the environment. I got near it. And, uh, and that's where all the, the magic happened, you know? Also the willing, like, this is why I'm a big believer in people need to, to get up and, you know, kind of get the fuck out of their original yeah, environment. And environment is, is a reflection of your reality. Like we yeah. all... We constantly need to be pr- practicing like environment modification of our environment, like constantly and consistently just being aware of what we're around, what we're close to. How can we leverage that? Like it and, and not just from a money or business perspective, our health. Like that's another reason we were talking about before our conversation. That's another reason I love California. Like, of course, anybody, if you're super disciplined and, and you're like just so hungry, you'll go out and run in the snow. But how like how much more more likely am i to go out and go on a 30 minute walk right now or go on a run if the weather's decent how much more likely when i get off work and hit the gym and i also want to get a nice walk in am i to go if running canyons down the street versus if it's a snowstorm outside like i don't hate kansas city but i definitely think about the importance of my environment based off of the desires and the way i want to live and so that's important for what you're saying. So keep continue because you're you're spitting fire. So that's why, that's why I'm just quiet over here because I'm enjoying this. So and I think uh, the audience yeah, but, will I mean, enjoy it as well. Uh, so you know, I uh, I'm sticking now. Like I'm I'm continuing to humble myself and learn, and I'm hanging out with my cousin a lot. You know, this guy's like he's sharp. You know, he's, he's incredibly sharp, and uh, he he's all like full swing into software. Taught me all about scaling. I'll just share like the, the most humbling moment for me, right? One time we're working together. He, uh, we, we go to WeWork. It's Saturday. Um, I probably put in like, I think, I think I'd maybe done like eight hours, eight or 10 hours of work on a Saturday. So I was feeling good about myself because I was like, damn, I, I, at that point, I was still doing like my normal 40-hour weeks. So I'd done 40 hours for my week for my job for like the real estate stuff. And then... Um, I had put another eight or 10 hours on the weekend and I was like, damn, like that's probably like 50 so hours of work this week. Like I'm, I'm hitting it. And, um, you know, naturally I'm, it's me and my cousin. So we're talking a little shit to each other. So I'm talking my shit. And, uh, I was like, you know, I, I went off today and, uh, and he tells me, he's like, he's like, not, 
you know, not to put you down. He's like, I'm just to be really like realistic with you for a second. He's like, I also put in 10 hours today, but also I had seven employees put in 10 hours today on my behalf. And so I got 70 hours of work done today on my project and you got 10 hours of work done today on your project. You can't even do 70 hours in one week and I do 70 hours in a day. Boom. Boom. He wasn't trying to put me down. He was trying to teach me about scale. Yeah. And he taught me that there's no such thing as like, I'm going to grind my way to success. You're not going to like, you got to get away from that, like infatuation with the grind and like working hard. Like, you got to understand like, yes, that's an aspect of it. But a strong aspect is also like how you set yourself up, like posturing and then like working efficiently and smart, you know, like, so that was like tremendous. Right. So the guy, like he's, he's a great guy, always willing to, to put me up on game. So he's teaching me how to scale software, all this stuff, full time. I'm full swing. I had, uh, these, these guys that were disaster investors. They're like, Hey, uh, at that time, think of like 2019 Houston floods, you know? So they're like, Oh, we're going to Houston. I was like, nah, man, like good, good luck to you guys. Like no disrespect, but like, it's just not for me, you know? And, uh, so they're like, all right, like, fuck you, we're out of here. And so I was kind of like, you know, what do I do next? I end up just getting my real estate license. I, I d- jump full swing into commercial real estate, right? So rather than like- <laughs> Those guys are savage. <laughs> so rather than like being like, all right, I'm, you know, because when you're an investor, you don't have to have any licenses. So you're just doing your thing. At that point, I had played investor for like, a, you know, a while then. And I was like, okay, let me understand like on the other end of the table, that real estate agent, what does he want? And the only way I understand what he wants and his needs is to become him. So I get my real estate license. And I go straight to commercial because I felt like residential is a waste of time. You're selling people on emotion. That's not my deal. I'm, you know, I sell people on like numbers, you know, like whether it works or not, like commercial real estate sells itself. Either it's going to fit your company or it's not like, I'm not here to tell you how cute it is, you know? And so I get into commercial real estate. I did get to do some badass transactions. Can't lie. I, um, you know, I represented a public company. Uh, also represented uh, the country of Fiji, which was tremendous so got to be representatives on both of those work with like the the whole uh old government procedure with the country of fiji and whatnot and there i think it's prime minister uh and then you know at the same time still like learning from my cousin right trying to understand tech get into tech but you know if i'm gonna do tech it has to be tech and fitness because fitness is my passion and in the back end i've been burning the candle both ways you know trying to still lift weights but then I'm in California doing real estate, trying to go to meetups. And, but like, what do I do now? Like discard 10 years of work in the gym? Like that didn't make sense to me. And so my whole thing is like, I got to learn tech, but I got to bring it back to sports and fitness. Like there's a reason why I'm addicted to this stuff. Like that's my gift, you know? Like I just have results because this shit comes really easy to me. You know, like, yes, I did do a lot of work. Yes, I started when I was 14 years old. So I'm on chapter 12 of my fitness journey. So don't compare my chapter 12 to your chapter six or your chapter four. But um, I just wasn't willing to let it go. And that's when um, finally my, my boy had made a, made a tech company uh, that I saw myself having a place in, you know? He had essentially built out a uh, streaming platform, you know? And like, I, I hate to be like a name dropper, but like he had done a project and uh, it went really well. He ended up working with Kanye West and they did some badass shit, you know? And so his stuff had started to take off. And uh, he pretty much told me, he's like, hey, man, I'm, uh, I'm making these streaming platforms. And now I'm including 
cryptos into it and I'm including uh, blockchain technology and, and partnerships into it and I'm including NFT minting into it and um, pretty much I, I'm doing this for global brands across the world, you know, so like pretty much like Kanye's and above, you know, um, or Kanye's and at parks. I don't think there's too many people that go above Kanye, <laughs> but the guy's got like $4 billion. Not, a, not after this documentary. Right. <laughs> so, you know, my thing was like, okay, that's badass, but realistically, like my sales and entrepreneurial skill set is not at that level to deal with like the whales. So let me do this for just fitness pros, like just professional athletes. So he's like, Yeah, he gave me free reign, you know, which was like the most amazing thing is like when you finally like you link up with some people that are on your exact same like frequency. And you don't really have to slow down what you talk about or minimize the size of what you talk about. It's phenomenal, you know? So like, this is one of my first, like, yeah, he's family, but like, he's also like a really good friend of mine by choice, you know? Cause I finally got around someone that like, he pushed me, you know, I'm so used to kind of being the, the one that holds people accountable or like displaying leadership in my peer groups that finally I got around someone that was like, well, what are you doing? Like, I know you work hard in the gym, but how hard do you work at work? You know, because the way I worked out in the gym, and I was like, yeah, like two hours in the gym, three hours in the gym. Like, it's un- I understand how that happens. You know, like you're not lifting weights the whole time, but I understand the commitment and you know what it takes. And then uh, he was he was displaying that at work, and so I admired that. And I thought, okay, let me figure out how to do that. You know, and like over time by hanging out with him, it's been like mutual benefit because the guy started working out himself, and now he's getting his abs in and he's getting lean just by finally like exercising, right? He's probably going to try to make him one of the like fittest tech CEOs in, in the game. Right. Um, and then on the other side, he's showing me like uh, how to push my capacity, you know, that, Hey man, when you were making three figure checks, like you still, ha- you're the same person. Now you made a five figure check. You're the same fucking person. You know, when you weighed three figures at once, you made a couple hundred bucks. You didn't think it was possible to make five figures at once. Now you made five figures at once. You probably think it's impossible to make seven or eight figures at once, right? But, you know, you got to look back your five years ago how you were thinking too. Stop minimizing yourself, right? Same thing with work ethic, right? Eight hours is not that much. Like, pick it up, you know? So for me, it was like, okay, like, I get that. Like, you got to train, you got to train the muscle, just like lifting, you know? So I went from eight hours to 10, 10 to 12, 12 to 14. I was like, okay, if I can do 14 to 16 hour days, six days a week, I can compress time. That's the whole concept, right? If I can compress time, I can get two, three years of results in one year, you know? So if you're moving fast in business, this is how you got to operate, right? You got guys like Ed Milet talk about doing three days in one, right? They do like the 5 a.m. to noon, noon to 5 again, uh, 5 p.m. And then like 5 p.m. to maybe like 11. They're doing like a third day with like family and friends, right? And so it's all about compressing time. So I'm learning those things. And uh, I get essentially full reign on my, on my own, uh, like, subsidiary company, you know. And so that's called Mintrop Sports. So I'm the lead of Mintrop Sports, um, doing that full swing now. Throw me some questions before I maybe jump into that. Absolutely, yeah. So that we're, we're definitely going to transition to that, and that's how we'll uh, lead the rest of this conversation. Before we do that, I want to ask you, um, for those listeners out there who are – either new to business and the concept of scaling um, or are just starting their business or might be deep in it. What are some questions that 
you ask yourself or that you would ask uh, yourself if you were, when you, when you think about scaling. So like say somebody's a, a business owner right now, they just started their business. Um, there's a lot of work to do. What questions are you asking yourself? Like how, you know how some words can just be some flashy words, but you don't know what the fuck to do with it. Like yeah. what yeah. can somebody, how can, how does somebody scale or what questions should they be asking themselves in order to, you know, get started on that mental process working towards scaling and being more efficient with their time so there's like there's different aspects to it right like depending on like what you're trying to scale right if we get very technical and we're saying about like scaling a business then it's very important that when you build that business you build it in a way so that it is scalable right like if you build a heavily like service-based business that requires for you to serve your customer or do some type of service-based transaction you're not building a scalable business right because it requires you to be involved right so if we're talking about business scaling and we're looking into like you know structure there the easiest thing i always remind myself is that my goal is to build something once and sell it a million times not to build a million things and sell those a million times over you know like this is the 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 power of of really like scale and, and and software too right when it comes to like i think what what we're talking about here for our, our people listening is um understanding the value of their time and also what's not worth their time right most of you, you guys have not put a price point on your time right you probably just put whatever the market gives you right now so if your employer pays you 20 dollars an hour you say my time is worth that if they give you you know 80 dollars for a session you probably think it's that but you have essentially like outside variables or like the market, you know, dictate your, your value on your time. Right. So you need to understand that, like, okay, you know, if I'm getting paid $80 an hour and I, and someone, if I can outsource that, right. If I can put that $80 somewhere else, can I do something with my hour? that will generate more than $80, you know? So if you get paid $80 for a training session, you personally, right. And you, you know, pass that off to me and I do it for you. No problem to you. And then you go figure out something that makes you a hundred dollars. I mean, it was a value to you to scale, right? And, and look at a way to outsource this work, right? And so the most practical thing is to give virtual assistance, you know? They don't cost that much. There's tons, it's a global economy, you know? If you have tons of shit to do, like go to Fiverr and look up uh, virtual assistance. They start at $5 an hour, $5 an hour. Like it's nothing, you know? Like, they, like and, and for them, like you have to think about it. The US dollar translates over to whatever country they're in and it, actually is a great salary for them they're doing this stuff on purpose they're not being forced to to do this work right so i mean as far as like ethics and right there like don't try to like blur the lines you got to understand how to actually like put systems into play and then like grow your business right so like don't get it's more so like measuring measuring your value and then like being smart about your decisions like you just some things are just not worth your time like you know like it's like the first 15 minutes when an, app, when an athlete's rolling out, like you do not need to be there for that, you know? Like they need to know what's being done and there needs to be a certain certainty that they'll do it. But like, you do not need to be there for that, you know? Like take your time back, you know? Like that's when you figure out like, okay, no, I'm going to do some paperwork during this time because I'll save me 15 minutes elsewhere so I can put that into something else, you know? Like always just find ways to collect your time and energy and, and bring it back home, you know? I love it. I love it. And so let's let's jump into it, man. Let's let's yeah. talk. Let's talk about 
mint drops. Um, mint drops. Yeah. Whew. I've been I've been looking at uh at the at the website the past few days. Like I'm trying to get into um, Web three NFTs and understand it more and more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you little by little you start to understand it, but it's still challenging. So for those individuals out there who are just don't know what the hell Web three is, they don't know what NFTs are, they don't know oh. shit about this. Yep. Give your best explanation of what Mint so, Drop Sports is and the the, the value proposition. Right, I'm gonna start off with Web three before I get into any anything with Mint oh, yeah. Drop. Right? Hell yeah, yep. So let's just start, start off like we gotta preface this with a little. Bit internet is created in 1950s you guys need to know that right it's made by the military 1950s to 1990s it's only used by the military and for university you know 1990s the internet is commercialized they call it web one that's when they create essentially a bunch of blogs you can read a bunch of stuff on the internet it's the era of information you know information overload no more libraries right to that that's 1990 to about 2002 2002 things blow up web 2 comes on the scene what is that the engaging internet what you guys know is social media <clears throat> no more just reading now now you can write on the internet you guys probably don't think you write a lot but you write a ton whether it's through your tweets or really now you're writing pictures and videos and a bunch of other things it's all just posting right it's the engaging internet web 3 comes out essentially in like 2018 right so 2003 to 2018 web 2 is developing you're getting essentially all these giants coming on the scene and making what is like the infrastructure of the internet right so your big dominators are google and amazon and cloudflare uh those companies essentially make it so that every other company can operate and if you don't have those company services essentially don't have a site so they own like the base layer of the internet now now you have web 3 on the scene Web3 is all about decentralizing. So what that does is creates digital wallets for people. And now you can con collect, sorry, connect your wallet to different sites, right? Why is this important, right? So one example I always give my athlete is like, isn't it a shame that you have a blue check and you're verified on your Instagram? But if you go make a Twitter, you have to start all over and you're not verified. Like if you own that blue check mark on Instagram and it's yours, then that's a digital asset on your profile, right? But you, it's not technically your, it's, it's your digital asset, but that asset cannot go anywhere else besides Instagram, right? It doesn't travel but with you. If social medias were interoperable, which means they were able to connect, you could then take your following and your blue check mark to different social medias, right? Which would be tremendous for someone that already has a million followers on Facebook. And now Instagram's come about and he wants to transition his following, but he can't, he can't because he has to make a new login, a new profile, and essentially just beg people to, hey, go follow me on the new thing, you know? And he has a bunch of turnover, right? So Web3 is the connection of all these different, like, entities in the internet, right? There's a lot of aspects to it. What it all really comes from is the fruition of blockchain technology, right? Block, you already know what a lot of blockchains are. Um, an example of the most, like, popular one probably is Bitcoin, Right? But uh, these blockchains have created a bunch of different features that you know of today, right? So one feature of the blockchain, cryptocurrency, right? Another feature of the blockchain, NFTs, right? So there's a lot of things you're hearing about it, but really where it stems from is blockchains, right? They're, you know, they, it's, a, it's a very powerful advancement in tech, right? It's created this whole 
you know, crypto space, decentralized finance, a lot of things going on as far as like, you know, global structure. So that's, that's like web three and like a big overarching, uh, like history lesson. But I would just say like, really what it is, is the new era of the internet, you know, web three is like, it's what our kids are going to grow up in the same way that our parents didn't know what the hell social media was like now we're just getting introduced to the new iteration, which is the metaverse, you know? And so that's, that's kind of that. Um, and I think the, the, no, I think you did a perfect job explaining that while you were saying that I was like, my, my guy needs to create a timeline infographic, which I'm sure there's thousands out there, but you got to create your own, you know, create your own. <laughs> um, no, that, that was good though. Um, I think uh, one thing I just want to say is please understand that web three is here to stay. These aren't like cool yeah. words that just popped up on the internet, like yeah. other things like web three is here to stay. The metaverse is here to stay. It just 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 adopt that believe that and don't even argue with it I and mean, and learn about it and yeah because especially if you're our age like i mean look you should do that too if you're 50 60 40 30 but if you're between 19 and 35 40 right now like yeah. please just learn but you know, i just want to say way, like you know probably kids that were like 10 years older than we are now right Mm -hmm. if if they if they had just got some if they had like really used their phones and and traded stocks on their phones mobily the way they can you dude who gives a fuck how much your phone is you know Mm -hmm. who cares if you spend a thousand dollars on your phone you can make a thousand dollars trading stocks on your phone you know like kids are making tons of money trading cryptos on their phones trading nfts on their computers like you know it's it's insane right and so, yeah, we, we cater to the, to that, uh, that next like era of innovation, right? We want to build another base layer on the internet. Mintrops really builds digital infrastructure, right? Mintrop sports particular is all about, it's all about bringing it to the, to the fans and bringing it to the athletes. I love it. So when you get on your website, the first thing you see in big bold letters is monetize your content with your exclusive access platform. So break it down to people. Yeah. What exactly you know, I'm going to just say, what does that mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Or, you know, what is the specific service you're providing for? Yeah. Let's say, uh, I don't know, a professional boxer right now wants to uh, leverage his audience. He has a big audience on Instagram. Let's say he yeah. has 30,000 followers. He's a new professional boxer. He has one, two professional fights under his belt. Mm-hmm. What is he coming to you for? Yeah, I mean, there's so there's different levels, right? I'll start with the pros first and then I can even break it down for, for like, even at your level, you know, good. good. Awesome. With the pro there's, there's a number of things here, right? We're going to create some digital assets for him. You know, the same way a a rap artist would own his masters. I need you to create some digital assets. So you own your version of your digital masters, right? You're not going to be in prime shape for the rest of your life, which is a shame, but you're still going to be hanging around when you're 50, 60, 70, right? Yes. If I can help you create some programs, that you can monetize indefinitely, that would be the best thing I could do for your consumer brand, right? So my whole thing is I want to create monetization machines and put those behind creators, right? So they have the ability to take their content and create exclusive platforms, exclusive experiences and monetize it, right? Really my thing is I, I want to increase their profitability. You know, I believe every athlete has a great cause, a great narrative already. My interest is not really to change or influence that. I think that's their personal journey. My thing is that I just want 
any guy, whether it's you or whether it's a professional boxer to do fitness since their sport full time. You know, I think that's like the basic. Let me interrupt. Know? Let me interrupt real quick. So when you say exclusive, um, is that, does that mean that only a specific set of people have access to this content or to, to these products or to the service, whatever it might be that yeah. they're selling. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. So like we, we really target on the concept of fandom, right? So my whole goal is I want in like 1% of an athlete's audience and I want to give them essentially exclusive access and cater to them. Right. So the idea of the 1000 fans, right? Exactly. So this is, this is a membership based web three platforms and they do, you know, like video streaming in app live streaming. Uh, You know, you have like NFT minting on there, sale of physical and digital goods, acceptance of fiat and cryptocurrencies. Um, You got tons of, tons of uh, features depends on what you want to do. Then we do the whole like social tokens and NFTs and uh, we have those projects. So for us, it's all about, you know, we're across 10 major sports, you know, the, the usuals, NFL, NBA, WNBA, ATP, tennis, PGA, UFC, and then also like general men's and women's fitness. And I think there's one or two I'm missing, but um, our thing is essentially like across the board, we want to help, help these athletes as they transition from web two to web three. And now like, it's not really about you having a great profile on Instagram. It's about you creating a great platform. And you, it's not about, it's not Instagram's platform. You are the platform. Control, right? control, yeah. And then also when you have your own platform, you can create sub creators on your platform, right? And then what you think is everyone has content in the world. Not everyone has a monetization machine, right? So you give people the ability, like uh, I got a, uh, you know, a guy today, he was talking about a, uh, one of his artists, right? I can't mention the name, but the guy always wears a hoodie, you know? And he said, uh, you know, if the guy always has a hoodie, like, you know, that artist, if, uh, if um, you know, we make his platform, can we put sub artists on there? And then they get exposure, right? For being on this big artist platform and, and they get some monetary compensation too, but they get the best of both worlds. So we put options and systems like that into play. And so, you know, I do a couple of, you know, projects like one-offs with like, maybe actors or like I do things that are cool to me right so that's that's how you know that's kind of how I'm feeling in life right now where I'm like I want to do I want to do Shit, rappers cool. <laughs> I want to do yeah I want to do rappers I want to do like celebrity personalities maybe if they're like actors or something but more like personalities and then like my my main guys are my athletes you know so so I want to ask are, are the futures that you mentioned are they are these fixed futures on uh, on the platform that they create, or can you manipulate which which yeah. futures you want to have yeah, on so your like, specific platform? My there? my partner, uh, my my partner Ryan, you know, the one that uh, really like brought me into all of this, right? He's a crazy developer, so we have some things that we do like customization on, but we don't do too much of it, just because like. Once you start customizing everyone's app, everyone's got a question, right? Right. You right. kind of have to. You kind of have to put a little bit of a blockade there. We, you know, if it's it's on a case by case basis, right? If the guy has a lot of consumer demand and the star power for it, then yeah, I mean, we can add something if it's not too expensive, no problem. But also, like, if I build something, but then it, you know, it it costs me like a hundred grand to give it to you and put it on your platform, I'm not going to sell that to you, you know. Cause I don't want that to come out, of, come out of your pocket anyways, you know, unless you explicitly say like, no, I'm making the revenue from this project. I want that in. Then y'all yeah, put it in there, but I'm not going to try to push for it. So my thing is 
the, the platforms are similar, but they're never exactly the same. Every athlete's a little different depending on if they do the NFTs, if they're more into like a fitness app, if they're more into like a streaming app, you know, think of like, we build like Netflix with a store in it, you know? So think about like, if every, think about how popular like, uh, you know, a series like Stranger Things was. Now imagine like the next tab over on Netflix was like shopping and you can like click a Stranger Things t-shirt, purchase. And because you're already a member of Netflix, there's no sales funnel, right? So you just add to cart purchase because you already have your billing info. Right. And then you're good to go, you know? Okay. So yeah. we create that type of scenario, but mine's particular for athletes, right? So the idea is to create a virtual ecosystem of like essentially high level athletes, coaches, and trainers and, and bring them together in the metaverse so that there's like some, uh, some mutual support, you know, whether that's like, I mean, we don't have that, these particular guys, but the, the concept is like, imagine you have like Phil Jackson and he's talking to a, a group of like golfers, you know, like, is there anything that he could give them a value despite these guys not playing basketball and despite him not being a golf coach. Right. And are these conversations being had otherwise, right. Whether it's between the trainers, coaches, or athletes or just amongst the athletes themselves, like are top level NFL guys talking top level tennis players. And if so, how come, you know, cause when I talk to them individually, they're very similar people and they resonate with the same type of values, but like, how come this guy has certain command in his consumer brand and star power and these guys are just not maximizing it. Right. Or how come like I'll have a bodybuilder who drops a bunch of eBooks and challenges and programs and makes a, you know, a fuck ton of money. And then I got a, a guy who's in the NFL with a way bigger brand who just doesn't know where to start. Right. Right. It's like, man, you can make an ebook on tackling. Right. He just doesn't know how to, but the bodybuilder guy could teach him how to. Right. So there's certain like compliments. So, so how, 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 how would you get those people to communicate though? Because maybe I missed something you said, because what I do understand so far is obviously the platform side, membership based, exclusive, a creator or an athlete, or let's just say athletes. So athletes or celebrities can create a platform and then they can, obviously their community comes over to that platform. They pay to have access to it. And then there's exclusive, uh, things you get access to inside that platform. So I get that idea and that's amazing. I love it. But how exactly would you get those, the two creators to communicate? So you don't want to do too much like creator cross collaboration. And the reason is, is creators also don't want to work with each other too much either. Right. If you meet those guys at those 1% levels, they only think about themselves as they, as they kind of need to, because that's what it takes it takes to get to that level. So we don't do too much in that regard. We let, we really focus on, their brand, their profitability, what's going on with them. So they feel like they're the center of, of attention, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, we do some more like natural collaborations where like if, you know, multiple athletes are like all in the WNBA, we might do some project with like women in NFTs, right? Where we'll like bring them together and push something forward. Or we'll have a general conversation like, you know, essentially like mint drop sports will bring them together, right? Whether we bring them together in a more practical sense or like in the metaverse, we kind of have a few options. Um, it just kind of depends what's like what they want to do, you know? I love it. I love it. And so what exactly does your relationship or the team's relationship with these people look like after the platforms are created? So you create the platform, they, they, they have it, they have it set up, they're, they're monetizing, they're winning, yeah. they're, they're making yeah. a living off of it. Yeah. Do you, are you communicating with them after that? Are they reaching out to you for anything? Like, how does that, what does that look like in terms of the company and the, the, the people that are, you know, utilizing yeah. the, 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 so 
you know, their managers take care of all their day-to-day life. We are their backend tech partner. So my role, like I kind of see myself as a, you know, as a tech agent, right? So every athlete in the world needs a tech agent right now because tech is the hottest part of business right now. And as, as they get into their business ventures, they need to understand how to navigate technology, right? Whether it's maximizing their brand power and their commerce, right? Or it's like getting into tech investing and moving in that manner, right? So I kind of see myself in that regard. We have like, of course, the department for like 24 uh, seven platform support and things like that, of that manner. But like, as far as like me directly, I keep a good rapport with them, but also like, I do have a little bit of a, I have boundaries, right? As we all do. And so like, yeah, I'm working 16 hours a day, but I'm not taking your calls after a certain time or even like in the morning before a certain time. So there's certain boundaries I establish. Um, but, you know, otherwise, like we don't do a lot of services, you know? So as long as the app is, uh, you know, it's running and, and money's being made, like the guys don't usually have a problem. So. I love it. I love it. And so for, for people out there who may not understand the difference between maybe a Web3 app and then the apps they already use now, like what, is that, what does that look like? Because that can confuse people. Like yeah. if I see Web3 streaming apps for athletes on your page, I'm like, okay, does that mean that the, it's going to be on the app store? Like how do I get access to it? Can you kind of break that down yeah. for people? So like a Web3 app is going to be one that will be able to connect to the blockchain. And also what you're going to see is you're going to be able to start logging into things across the board as Web3 becomes uh, essentially more mainstream with your digital wallet. So there will be no more like a hundred different login, like usernames and passwords. That's like uh, essentially a feature of the past. No more, like every single person will have one, like uh, it's almost like having a social security uh, ID, right? On the internet. So it's like, you'll have your one like digital wallet ID and that ID will be what gets you into these different uh, platforms. A Web3 app for us particularly, like where we really push pace is we do NFT minting directly on the app. So they're able to do that. And then also they can accept cryptos for payment, you know? And that's a big thing we've had is like, you know, some guys want to bring in Ethereum as, as payment. And so that's, that's like the big, the big uh, aspect of Web3. Otherwise, like basic features, totally the same. Um, it's more so about what the creator can do first before it jumps into like fan experience. What we try to do is make sure we build for today. So the fans experience is, you know, very familiar, but we also posture for tomorrow. Because if so, like as consumer behavior changes, we're already set up to cater to it. So that way they don't have to play catch up, you know, to, uh, to their, to their audience, so to speak. Right. I love it. I love it. And, and before we transition out of it, I want you to kind of flex real quick. So who are some people you guys have partnered with, uh, whether that's, I know, I know I saw some, uh, medium, uh, write up with Polygon. I know, I know, uh, I know there's some specific athletes that you guys have let out that you've worked with. So, um, yeah, flex real quick for the people, just so, you um, know, you know just right. so they know, just so they know, just so, <laughs> that's all. Uh, uh, major one, shout out to my partner, Ryan, uh, you know, we did some thing on, we did some uh, advancements in NFT minting. And, um, you know, because of him, honestly, we, uh, we earned a partnership with Shopify. That was a major one. So e-commerce web two giant, um, super proud of that one. Really excited to work with them. And uh, we have some exciting things coming out with Shopify uh, as far as uh, their, their capabilities in web three, right. Um, outside of uh, 
Shopify, we have a couple of other partners, which uh, I'm probably going to leave off, leave off the table. Two of them I will mention, I, I guess are, are fair, is um, one's Polygon. That one's already public. So Polygon blockchain, uh, they're worth $16 billion. Um, they're a big, massive supporter of us. Very appreciative of, uh, of what they do. And um, another pri or public one is uh, Algorand. Um, Algorand is um, essentially taking care of uh, the ecosystem as all this computer stuff starts to come about, right? They're making sure that uh, we don't burn down the rainforest as we're trying to mine these, these uh, protocols. And so really, really like happy to be a, uh, in, in alignment and in partnership with them just because they're doing some, some things that a lot of people don't consider, you know? They, they give a fuck when it comes to nature and the environment. And a lot of people in tech don't realistically. And so that's major. And so outside of those two, um, man, what's another public? I got a couple that are private. And You're so good. You're good. Those You're are good. public ones. And then I mean, when it comes to athletes, I'd say like, you know, we're across the board, all major sports. Um, you know, a few, I guess I feel comfortable sharing. You know, we're working on something right now um, with Vayner Sports and Tony Ferguson. Love it, love so it, love it. So that's a pretty cool project. Ho hoping to see uh, maybe Gary's involvement in that. Um, side note, it's pretty cool just like when I interview so like people for the podcast, just like the, the small connections throughout. I've interviewed a few people that work not directly for Vayner Sports, but they work for Vayner Media. Yeah. Um, and so it's just funny. There's always these like light connections throughout and you figure out this person knows this person, these person, people ended up working together, but yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it so then, much. Like, uh, another badass we have coming out is, um, Chiron Holden. He's an IFBB pro super excited for him. Dude's done a lot of like, uh, history setting, like accomplished, uh, things going on in, um, in the IFBB space. We have another guy, NDO champ, uh, badass um influencer um he was like uh you know a product essentially of like uh, warfare um in, in uh liberia and um you know escaped that came to the u.s and has done a lot of really really cool shit and then um you know we have uh something going on uh with um shakeem griffin badass football player uh those two twin brothers played for the seahawks and uh, i believe um you know, they're, they're still uh, going pretty strong now. And so we want to do a project uh, with them and, and involve a couple blockchains. So that's, uh, that's really exciting. Those are some, some guys. And then otherwise we have about, um, I, I can't really keep count of them. There's like 90 or so. I love it. Um, I love athletes. It. They're all just like, we're really holding them uh, privately right now. And then we're deciding whether Mintrops wants, um, Mintrop Sports wants to do like a, a full-on release like a full-on press release get uh the blockchains involved and let like essentially let everyone know we're on the scene but on the other hand we might also do like a drip release where like we have five platforms coming out a week or something like that might be a little bit more uh, a sophisticated marketing rollout so we're seeing what's the move there um the whole the whole idea is, is just, we just want to dominate not compete so we got to figure out what's like you know what's the real way to do this and let's not just do what other people are doing right I love it. I love it. You know, this conversation has been so fire that I want to go for another three hours. We're already, <laughs> we're already over an hour. So I'm going to try to ask you uh, two or three quick questions. Um, and, you know, uh, as much as we could probably answer them, 15 minute long answers, let's, let's 
pop through because I want to be mindful of your time because we definitely went over what I expected to keep you on here for. But it's yeah. all it's all in good nature, right? Absolutely, um, absolutely. So, so I wanted to ask your thoughts on startups that are you know starting to come out with like uh, you know, I guess platforms, products, stuff like that in Web three and kind of just merely using Web three as a flag for like a marketing tool. Like, what are your thoughts on? on people just using Web3, not for really trying to use it and leverage this new technology, but just trying to be fly and keep up with the times and use it as yeah. a marketing tool. Yeah, I'd say like, I mean, the first thing is like, if people out here calling themselves experts, call them out on their bullshit, you know? You can't be an expert on something that's only been around for a couple of years, right? How are you an expert on NFTs if they were invented 13 months ago? There's no long-term studies on the effects of the products, right? So like- just a red flag for people that try to like, you know, inflate what they do, inflate who they are. Um, just look at the results. Also, like if you're really Web3, you're attached to the blockchain. So what's going on there? Everything with blockchains, are it's public. That's why blockchains are so special, right? It's all public information. If people are lying, verify it, right? It's the easiest thing. There's no more fraud. There's no more kind of gassing yourself up because now like, hey, we saw your NFT sales on the blockchain. Like, you only sold 15 pieces. You only sold 15 pieces, you know? That's yeah, the reality. I know we're going to see some funny, like, this is on Twitter. Like, somebody's going to be like, we've been killing it. And then somebody's going to screenshot it and be like, yo, three, so, three yeah. sales, fam? Like, yeah. what? Well, but, the, whole, um, the whole Discord is bots. Come man. on, you bought the likes. I know how it goes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yo, you guys are dirty out here. Get out of the game. <laughs> um what's it called okay so um this this might be a, a a little bit longer answer so we'll end on this question okay boss um no worries no worries but how do you think web3 will revenue revolutionize the fitness industry specifically so we're seeing a lot we, we, we you know we got pace line we got a lot of move for move for points move for pay we got a lot of a lot of stuff going on in this world we got some cool nfts with gym bros um, some cool communities. So uh, how else or how has or what are your expectations for Web3 and uh, the intersection with the fitness industry? Yeah, I mean, I think fit, like global fitness is continuing to skyrocket, right? It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, I think there's still a lot of work to do when it comes to fitness and Web3. I think um, people are not as prepared as they might think they are for like realistic consumer behavior. If you look at like how individualistic certain like fitness people are, like they don't like to, they don't want to be in a community, you know, or they may not want to track things, you know, or if they track them, they might want to do it on their notebook. So you're going to have a lot of friction that you're facing getting into these markets. Um, a lot of it's going to have to do with like waiting for a new era of exercises to come in, you know, like people that think it's normal to have an Apple watch, you know, and count your steps, right? Like, realistically, we're a much healthier generation than past generations, right? Like, we wear Apple Watches. Almost everyone now has a gym membership. We all have, like, great, uh, like, general diets, right? Unless you're in a food desert. Even then, your community is getting called out for being a food desert, right? Relatively, compared to the generations before us, there weren't even public gyms at this rate, right? No one had a gym membership like that. Like, they did not push women in sports in that manner. Like, I mean, if you just looked at the way like they abused drugs and what they ate, like we're just a much healthier generation, right? So like, I think fitness in its entirety is doing great. People are, you know, they're getting into it. They, I mean, it's just commonplace now. 
and we're really holding like we're helping each other advance in that manner i think really building putting technology into it is going to be tough because at the end of the day like i mean your human body does not need technology to get a workout you know like that's the truth you know if you want to make things fun if you want to make them engaging if you want to take it to the next level and offer a catered experience then then market that but don't market the fact that this is like necessary for fitness to move forward fitness will move forward either way like but like i think a great complement to fitness will be web3 the whole exclusive platforms you know you have virtual gyms coming about you have nft communities like virtual communities and whatnot right like those are phenomenal those are going to make a lot of like almost like team building environments so i think like more power to those projects but um like just you know see that some people like there's a lot more work to put in before it's like common you know i i think some people just they want it to happen now they're recruiting as many people as they can to get into it so in them and their circle it's common realistically it's not common you know until fucking 24 hour fitness does something when it comes to move to earn once fucking nike does something when it comes to play to earn like then maybe something will fucking happen you know but like a lot of people are like no i'm gonna make the the sports company of web3 the giant like hopefully i hope you do more power to you but likely it's gonna be one of these giants from web2 like optimum nutrition evogen under armor nike that's going to come in buy out some technology and dominate web3 what they do is completely up to them but i think it would be cool right like if they did something with move to earn where you earned a certain type of incentive for every step you took in your nikes and maybe yeah maybe you don't cash out those social tokens maybe you can donate them to a charitable cause now you have that whole like echo red thing going where you earn a certain number of points and you can donate a pair of nikes to another kid like at your choice like that would be cool right but i think like otherwise people need to understand how to live in today while also building for tomorrow right being a little practical not getting lost in startup land ideas right and and actually understand like okay well what's the business you know like let's not focus on raising a bunch of capital or making a bunch of businesses and and seeing what's happening let's actually let's make capital right don't raise capital like make it like where what are your sales you know that's what i want to know so it's like <laughs> that's that's what i would really like uh put the focus on right as far as i see it i think otherwise like it's another niche of of web3 super cool a lot of badass people getting into it influencers are going to get into it but um you know you have to just find your place you know but i think if you are interested in fitness and technology it's never been a greater time you know like the way i tell like those ifbb pros is like arnold got the shot with universal and so he got the movie you know right. and the mm. other phenomenal bodybuilders lee haney you know frank zane all those guys washed to the side you yep. know yep. my idea was like man if i was on the scene and i gave all those guys platforms and they could monetize their followings mm-hmm. they all would have made millions you know Good. yeah Ar- arnold would make billions no matter right right but frank and those other guys that went broke they would make millions because they'd be able to create ebooks they create programs they'd be able to take what is like the limitations of a zip code that you feel in your day-to-day training with people and er- evaporate that and now cater to a global economy, right? Because now everyone can do their workouts everywhere, which means you have to be sleeping when your Australia clients are doing your workouts, yep. right? Of course you're scalable, right? You're making money in your sleep. You're set up this way. So 
I think that's like, I mean, you know, athletes of today are, are, are pretty fortunate, right? They're in like a, a great time where technology has rapidly advanced and uh, it's made it so that they can completely maximize their brand power. And, uh, you know, just look at like what our parents were able to do. It wasn't even close, you know? Like if you wanted to build a business, like you did not think about your your customers living in, you know, 17 different countries, you know? Right. You, didn't have to dub, you didn't have to dub your workouts in Spanish or something, you know? <laughs> that's what like, you know, that's the first world problem some of these guys are facing, you know? No, that's real. So, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Man, you've shared like literally so much fucking value plus inspiration today. Big blessing. I'm glad this is the last uh, podcast interview today because you're leaving me on a fucking great note. Because <laughs> look, you know, as much as I'd love to say every single guest is the, the most amazing guest ever, it's just not true. So I'm glad that you inspired. Dude, I'm competitive. I wanted to be like, I heard you had some other guests today. I was like, okay, I got to be better. I got to oh, well, bring more energy. I got to right, well, I'm competitive. You, know? <laughs> well, you killed it. You definitely killed it, man. I'm looking forward to sharing uh, the full podcast and also just a whole bunch of fire ass snippets with the, yeah, with, with the communities across the, we'll do, the web works. Uh, we're doing this whole program called the hundred pros. I won't share anything about it, but once that's public, maybe we'll reconnect. And then, oh, yeah. uh, and then I can like let you know on all the athletes, every department across the board. No doubt. Um, no doubt. We'll, have to, we'll have to make sure that we'll have to make sure that one's in person. Might have to fly oh, out yeah. to Cali. <laughs> so do. Or, or I'm going to sign an athlete in Kansas city. We'll do an app launch party. You come cover it, you know? Boom. The thing is, what athlete lives in Kansas City? That's what I need all of Kansas City right now to figure that the fuck out. We'll get them signed. Everyone DM Patrick Mahomes and tell him to fuck with mint drops. You know? Tell them we'll sponsor them. It's not going to cost them anything. You know, we make things happen for guys. I love it. I love it. Hey, man. Well, before we head out of here today, let the people know where they can find you, how they can support you. And and yeah, man, anything else you want to share? Man, uh, I had to check my own IG handle just so I make sure I don't say it wrong. But uh, <laughs> it is uh, it is X R A N T E G X. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, feel free to say what's up. Um, I try to be fairly active on there, um, but also I'm spending you know 14 to 16 hours a day in this uh, in this office. So I'm I'm pretty hit or miss on socials. Um, but I am super into connecting with people. I'm a big believer in the power of network and it's like, it's everything, right? So I, I love seeing people in my network grow. I mean, my whole goal is for you to grow for this I'm a major media company. And then uh, as you know, as it grows, I've never asked you for anything. I'm just going to support you. And then what happens is when my kids want to do media, I'm going to say, hey, cause you owe me an internship and, uh, and my kids are going to come your way, right? I love it. Long-term thinking. That's kind of how I see everything. So my thing is I want everyone in my network to to grow and and benefit, you know, because that's really like really the value. And then it's like really our children that get the fruition of that, right? I love it. I love it. I love that so much. Glad to connect. Hell yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast, which I know you did. Share it with a friend because that is the only way we can grow And aside from that, ladies and gentlemen, you already know who it is. C-I-Z-Z-Y, you dig, signing out.